Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Man, what a beautiful crowd today here on Memorial Day weekend. It's so good to see all of you here. And just hope uh, you're doing well and hope you've come ready uh, to receive. You're going to be blessed today. Uh, Man, this is our celebration of hope service. And you're going to hear some powerful testimonies today. And we're going to give God praise for each and every one of those testimonies. And we're just so delighted that we can all be here together to share in this. Uh, Part of God's mission for this church is that we are a place of hope for anybody from anywhere. We're a place of hope because we know the person, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He's the one that gives us hope. And we celebrate our hope today in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, if there's ever been a time that we've needed hope, it's the day that we're living in right now. Amen. Amen. Listen, churches need hope. Church people need hope. Uh, Our communities need hope. Our nation needs hope. This world needs hope. If we've ever lived in a time when people need to be filled with hope, it is the day that we live in now. So many people, uh, uh, you know, on life's journey, you have a chance to meet with people and talk to them, and sometimes you can just uh, feel the pain coming out of their conversation. Sometimes you can see it visibly through tears that they're sharing because of maybe situations and heartbreak that they're going through. But so many people today that are on life's journey, And they feel hopeless on the inside. That may be you today that are here gathered. It may be you watching online. You know, just things just don't feel right to you anymore. You feel like you're hopeless and you're facing maybe some hopeless situations. I think we're living in a world today. I really do. I believe the world is crying out for hope. They may not realize it, but they're crying out for hope. People are looking for hope and they're looking for it in all the wrong places. People are looking for hope in our politicians. Uh, They're looking for hope in our government. Can I tell you, whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever you may be, listen, your lasting hope will never come through the government or politicians. Amen. People, people are looking, well, if I can acquire enough money and get enough money, I'll have enough hope. I know people that you've read about them and they've won the lottery or they inherited money and they're the most miserable people in the world. Money will not give you hope. I know some of you, well, let me at least try it. I'll see. People are looking to money for hope and people are looking to alcohol and drugs for hope. Listen, dope will not give you any hope. Been there, done that. The bottle will be empty and you'll be worse off than you were before. The drugs will run out and you'll go searching for more and it'll take you down to a place you never want to go. You'll never find lasting hope through drugs and alcohol. You'll never find uh, hope through looking for Mr. Right and Mrs. Right. Uh, People are looking for hope in the world and it's not there. Let me just tell you, friend, the kind of hope that people are looking for in the world today, it's a hope that will never last. It's a hope that will vanish very quickly. Lasting hope, hear me please, Lasting hope will only come through Jesus Christ. That's, can, you, can, you, can you lift your hand because you know that to be a testimony for you? Lasting hope will only come through Jesus Christ. Listen, when you think about lasting hope, knowing that your sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven to be remembered no more as far as the east from the west, 
to be cast away, never to be remembered again, that your sins have been washed away through the blood of Christ, and now you have peace with Almighty God, a holy God, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing that you could earn on your own, nothing that you can merit on your own. It's a lasting hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. He is the one. I'm reminded of that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Everything about our life as Christians are built on Jesus Christ. Not, listen, not on our blood because our blood is not perfect. Our blood is stained by sin. Not our righteousness because our, the Bible says that no one is good and our righteousness is like filthy rags. We lift up Jesus today because he's our lasting hope. And no matter who you are, friend, no matter who you are, you can call on Jesus and he'll fill you with a lasting hope. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you before we hear these powerful testimonies. Romans 15, 13 says this, Paul talking to these Romans, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can gather today, and I know our world is not perfect, but we can gather today and we can still overflow with hope on the inside. Hallelujah. Can you say thank you, Jesus, for that? May the God of hope, the Lord that we serve, he's the God of hope, and we can overflow with that hope. We can overflow with hope because Jesus is our redeemer. We can overflow with hope because Jesus is still working miracles. Do you believe that today? We can overflow with hope because Jesus still hears and Jesus still answers prayer. I can testify to that today. We can overflow with hope because Jesus is still saving people and he's still setting people free. You're going to hear more about that today. We can overflow with hope because Jesus is still providing for us. We can overflow with hope today because Jesus is still the way maker. He's still the chain breaker. He's still the healer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can overflow with hope today because Jesus is still changing lives. He's still changing lives. Has he changed your life? I know he's changed mine. We celebrate today this celebration of hope because Jesus is changing lives now in the second service today we're going to have these same testimonies you're going to hear in just a few minutes and or also we're baptizing eight people in the second service today can we give God praise for that that's lives that have been changed so we give God all the praise that for the ones that are going to be testifying of their faith through the water baptism and that's going to be in the second service I encourage you to stay around for it either you can go back home later and you can watch it online we'll have the baptism online but we're celebrating today Life transformation. We're celebrating hope. And you're about to hear three powerful testimonies of people that have been changed by the Lord. I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm 71, 14, when he said this of his testimony, I will always have hope. I will always praise you more and more. And friend, you're about to hear from some people who have a testimony that says, I will always have hope because of what Jesus Christ has done in their life. The very first testimony I want to introduce to you this morning is just a dear sister in Christ uh, who God is just working through their family in such a powerful way. And her name is Miss Haley Rarick. And we're just so thankful for Haley and her family and how God is working through them. Haley shared her testimony uh, just several weeks back in our Celebrate Recovery. And it was a powerful, powerful uh, testimony of celebrating the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and what Christ can do in your life. Let me just encourage you, friend. I don't know how you grew up in your life, and I don't know how many times you've been blindsided, 
But I can tell you right now that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he will be there to help you, and he will be there to guide you. Let's make Miss Haley Rarick welcome this morning. Let me start by saying that the Lord has blessed me with my wonderful husband, Michael, and our three children, Brianna, Anna Kate, and Shield. To really sit back and think about me telling you who my husband and children are is a big deal. The reason why I say that is because there was a time in my life that I wanted to give up on everything. If I would have given up, then Brianna would not have had a mom, and I never would have lived to see the day that I married Michael and had our other two children. I was once in a dark place called depression. Many of us have battled depression at one time or another. For me, it was a chronic issue that I could never seem to beat. Mine started as a child. I grew up in a divorced family. I lived with my mom, who worked really hard to make sure I was taken care of. Never really went to church until a friend invited me in middle school. She didn't realize it back then, but she planted the seed for my walk with the Lord. Her and her mom would pick me up every Wednesday night and take me to church. Around that same time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. That was the beginning of battling depression, fear, and anxiety. My one fear was losing my mom. Back then, when cancer was mentioned, the first thing I would think of was death. I also have a brother who battled drug addiction. As a child, I didn't really understand. But I remember being afraid and calling 911 a few times because I felt like my life was in danger. I remember staying out almost all night, riding with my mom as she drove to all the local hotels, praying she would find her son alive and well. This isn't about my brother, but being a sister to an addict really did affect me, and it helped make me who I am today. As a child, I didn't really feel like I had a family. or a big group of people that I could turn to. It was mainly my mom and my grandmother. I did get to visit my dad every other weekend, but it was only every other weekend. And I usually ended up at his mom's house. My mom was in a toxic relationship a few years after her divorce in which I witnessed her being verbally and physically abused. Being in a divorced family is hard enough for a child and you throw abuse, cancer, and drug addiction on top of that and the devil can really have a good time. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. It took me years to find true joy. Psalm 16, 11 reads, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. My journey to finding joy. Growing up, I moved around a lot due to the divorce, my mom's job, and her cancer diagnosis, which led me to Mount Olive. My grandmother moved in with us to help take care of my mom and me because my mom was so sick from the chemo treatments. Pretty soon, my mom started going to church, and we both gave our life to the Lord. 
I remember her telling me that she was thankful for her cancer diagnosis because it led her to the Lord. She said if she had not had cancer, then she would have continued to live for herself and not God. It's crazy to think that the one thing I feared, which was cancer taking my mom away from me, is the one thing that brought her close to God. Isn't it amazing how God works? Genesis 50:20 reads, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I remember praying and begging God to heal my mom, and he did. She was in remission three different times. She battled cancer on and off for eight years. The last week of her life, I sat beside her hospital bed, and I cried to her, and I begged her not to leave. She cried too, but she knew it was out of her hands. God worked on me that week. As a believer, I knew God would heal my mom, but I wasn't prepared for the ultimate healing that she would receive. One week after she was admitted, the nurse called me into her hospital room and told me that she didn't have much longer. I walked into the room, and I thought that she was already gone. The nurse listened to her, and she said that she still has a heartbeat. She said sometimes they need you to tell them it's okay to go. Me being a selfish 20-year-old wanted to beg her again not to leave. But I knew she would not be suffering anymore in heaven. I went inside beside her at that same hospital bed and I told her that I love her and that it's okay for her to go. I will see you soon. She took a deep breath and she was gone. At the time of my mom's passing, I had been in a relationship with a guy for about a year. My mom had previously given her blessing to me for marrying him. In less than a month of her passing, I was married. I was not in any shape to get married. No mother. My brother was missing, feeling hopeless. I think in that moment, I started to drift away from God. I was yearning to feel love to cover the pain I was living with. Fast forward to two years later, I had my beautiful daughter, Brianna. When she turned one, my husband at the time, Bri, and myself moved into a new home. My life looked good on the outside, but on the inside it was a mess. Verbal abuse back and forth, adultery. My husband at that time was an addict, similar to my brother's addiction, but I was not aware of how bad his addiction was. He had help from others to cover up the lies so I wouldn't find out. Once again, this is not about him, but how the situation affected me. I worked in a hospital, and I noticed the same man kept showing up, asking questions, and trying to carry on conversations. Me being friendly would conversate, not realizing that at the time I was a part of a private investigation. A few months later, I was made aware that my husband at that time was the prime suspect for breaking, entering, and larceny charges, and they had to investigate me to make sure I didn't have anything to do with it. Once I was cleared, the deputy explained what had been going on. I could not believe what I was hearing. I had been followed for who knows how long at work, home, and wherever else. My husband had no idea that I was being told by the deputy what had happened. I didn't believe in divorce because I knew what it did to me growing up. I was so lost. 
In that moment, I turned away from God and felt like I was drowning. I didn't trust anyone who was there to turn to. To make it worse, I was stalked by a man for six long months who somehow had links with my husband at that time. He would show up everywhere I went. He tried to get me out of my car. He blocked my car in parking spots so I couldn't leave. I made visits to the police department related to being stalked, but at the time was afraid to file a report because of feeling fearful to testify in front of him in court. I wanted to run away from my life, but I also had a small amount of hope that it was going to be okay. I ended up leaving work early the day I was made aware of the private investigation, and I told my husband that I had just what I had just been told. The moment he heard the truth of what happened come out of my mouth, he walked out of my life and he never came back. I felt as if my whole marriage had been a lie. I was left in my dream home with my one-year-old daughter in complete confusion of how I ended up there. I ended up there partly because I had made decisions to do what I wanted to do and not what God wanted me to do. There were days that I wanted to end my life because I was so alone and hopeless and angry. I was angry because I didn't understand. I didn't understand why I was raised in a broken family. My brother was never around. My mom passed away, and then my marriage failed. I felt as if my daughter was going to suffer like I had. But because of God and knowing that there was no one else to take care of Brianna, I did not give up. The hardest part, though, was trying to figure out how to find joy again. Remember I said I went down a dark road. I started drinking alcohol to numb my pain. I was in toxic relationships. I was doing what I hated most, living a double life. I was trying to have one foot in church and the other foot in a bar. I was trying to be a good mother while looking for happiness in the wrong places. During that time, I would still cry out and pray to God. I felt kind of like a hypocrite living in sin, but deep down knowing God was my only hope. And then one day I met Michael Rarick again. <laughs> I knew of Michael in high school. I never talked to him, but I remember him always hanging out in the hallways talking. <laughs> that same friend I told you invited me to church in middle school is the same friend that introduced, introduced me to Michael when I was older. God had his hand on me throughout all of those years. Michael has shared his testimony before and mentioned that I saved his life, but the truth is God used him to save my life. He walked into my messed up world and he helped pick up all the broken pieces. It didn't happen overnight, but through his actions he showed me that he was what I had prayed to God for. He has held me many times through anxiety attacks, from being stalked or living through what felt like a nightmare. He has walked with me literally out of stores because the anxiety and depression was so strong I felt like I couldn't breathe. We have worked on our walk with the Lord together over the years and we put our trust in Him knowing that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. James 1.17 He is also a wonderful dad. A few years after we were married, in August 2012, he was able to adopt Brianna as his daughter. So as I said in the beginning, we have been blessed with now two daughters and a son, and we are living proof that God knows the desires of our hearts. 
We may not get what we want when we want it, but if we stay focused on the Lord and seek his presence, then he can do some pretty amazing things in our lives. Our kids have two healthy parents that love each other and who have beat toxic relationships, addiction, depression, anxiety, and fear, and we give God all the glory, believing that somehow our testimonies will help someone else get on the road of hope and overcoming whatever tries to prevent them from walking with the Lord. God has restored my relationship with my dad. I talk with him frequently multiple times a week. I continue to pray for my brother and love him no matter what has happened in the past. Michael and I were blessed to take care of my grandmother the last year of her life. I no longer get jealous when I see friends spending time with their families. Instead, I rejoice that they have family that loves and cares for them. I remind myself that my mom is where I want to be one day, and that is heaven. Seeing how her nurses took such good care of her for those eight years encouraged me to be a nurse and help others like they helped us. So as a single mother, God made a way for me to go back to school to be a registered nurse, and I have spent most of my years nursing in infusion while I'm able to work with patients who are, are receiving chemo. It has provided a way for me to help others while also provide for my family, and I probably would have never been a nurse if I had not experienced those eight years of watching my mom battle cancer. I like to think that somehow my mom knows I'm a nurse today because of what she went through. I may not have a big family by blood, but God has blessed me with some great friends that I call family. He has led us to this church where people really do love God and love people. He has proved time and time again that he supplies all of my needs, and it gets a little easier the older I get because I have more reminders of all the things God has brought me through when I didn't see a way out. I don't want to live in this world without God, and I pray that if anyone in here does not know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that you don't leave here without asking him into your heart. He will love you and direct your steps, and in return, we will praise him and bring glory to his name. Amen. Man, praise the Lord. Man, what a powerful testimony. Thank you, Haley, so much for sharing that hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And no doubt he has definitely changed your life and your family. And we give him praise today. Man, so encouraging. Glory be to God. Messed me up. Lord, help me, Jesus. Powerful testimony. We're getting ready to hear another powerful testimony from a young man named Jack Jones. And Jack and Ruth Jones are such a blessing to this church. And before he comes, I want you go ahead and make your way, Jack, if you want to come this way. Let me just tell you, friend, sometimes we go through life and things happen to us that blindside us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That we never thought would happen to us and never expected to happen to us. But I can tell you, God is faithful and God will get you through if you'll just keep hoping and trusting in him. Let's make Jack welcome this morning. Thank you, Jack. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Okay, I want to start out by saying that I gave my life to and accepted Jesus Christ in 1973. I was 18 years old, and I was married to my high school sweetheart. She was James Coley's youngest daughter, Ruth. She accepted Jesus also, and we were both baptized in a fishing pond in eastern Sampson County, not too far from Faison. We went to church regular, and we were doing good. Our marriage and our walk with Christ was off to a good start, 
we had a lot of ups and downs like a lot of young couples do. And we thought we knew everything about life, but we didn't. We could not stay together. We could not work things out. Ruth went her way, and I went my way, and we got a divorce. I lost my direction. I stopped going to church and started hanging out with the wrong people. I started smoking weed and doing other drugs, plus drinking alcohol. It was day after day, week after week, and year after year. And I was very far from the Lord. And fast forward for 38 years, and I bought a used 2003 100th anniversary Harley-Davidson in 2010. And I enjoyed riding in nice weather, warm weather. Now I'd had the bike for about one and a half years, and it was April the 30th of 2011. I was on my way to the Mount Olive Pickle Festival, and I had tra traveled less than three miles from home when a Ford Ranger pickup turned across my lane. I tried, I tried to steer in front of, the, front of it. I applied the brakes front and rear, the rear tire locked and started sliding to the left. I had nowhere to go but into the side of the truck. I hit the truck sideways between the passenger door and the front tire at about 50 miles per hour. Now, I remember the impact, but I don't remember flying off the motorcycle across the hood of the truck and I landed on my back. My body was in shock, and I knew it was bad because I, I couldn't raise up to see what was wrong with my lower body. And I kept on thinking, what have you done to yourself? When the rescue personnel come to pick me up, they took me to Wayne Memorial Hospital. I can't get these pages. <coughs> I was told that my left leg was twisted around so that my foot was pointing backwards. Doctors at, at Wayne told me they couldn't do anything with my injuries and the trauma that I was in. I was airlifted to Vida in Greenville where I went through four different surgeries in five days. My left foot and ankle and lower leg were crushed. My left leg was amputated about five inches below my knee. None of it could be saved. And both the strongest bones in my body, my femurs, were broken in two places each. And both my hips were broken. Titanium rods and screws hold me together below my waist. And the doctors told me that a high percentage of people with injuries like I had do not survive. And if y'all will know, most motorcycle accidents are fatal. And I know now that a lot of prayers were said for Jack Jones that day and the days ahead. After 12 days in ICU and six days in rehab, I made it back home. Tough days were ahead. It took a long time to heal. 
I had to learn how to use a wheelchair and a walker, and I laid on my back for a long time before I could even sit up on my own. And the woman that caused me to crash came to see me one day, and she had remorse all over her face. She was so upset at, at what happened. And I told her that I forgive you for what happened. And she, she was relieved, very relieved. And my, my left leg was slow to heal, so I had to wear an electronic device that was called a bone stimulator for 12 hours a day for 90 days to help the bone heal. And I finally got my prosthetic in December of that year, seven months after the crash. And I went through physical therapy two times a week for three months. And after that, I tried to go back to work. And I lasted only seven months. Phantom pain and nerve pain were bad when I first came home. But it has eased off some now. But there's still at times that I can feel my foot or ankle uh, on the foot that I don't have. And even my toes feel like they have road rash at times. And uh, let's see, the devil tried to take me out on that Saturday. But God said, I'm going to use this situation for my good. And I am so thankful that he spared me that day. It was about three years after the crash that I got back in church. And I prayed for forgiveness and turned my life around and started going in the right direction. It took me about three Sundays before I knew that I was walking with Christ. And Christ is not finished with me yet. And I will never go back to sin and the things of this world. I know now for 40 years of my life, I was wandering around in the wilderness like Moses and the Israelites were. And I thank the Lord every day for my life and to be able to walk and to do just some of the things that I like to do. And it was also a blessing that I had no head injuries. And I went through a lot of pain and suffering, but nothing compared to my Lord and Savior. And I now see the world through different eyes. Everything that, that used to matter to me does not matter anymore. I have been blessed to be able to marry my high school sweetheart again. I feel like the Lord brought Ruth and myself back together. I just want to thank the Lord for accepting me back into his kingdom and sparing my life that day, April of 2011. Thank you, Lord, for everything I have. I'm very thankful for and love my church family very much, the best people that I know. Thank you for accepting me into your church. And God bless you all. And he did this for me. And if there's anyone out here that does not know the Lord, he can do it for you too. Amen. I'm glad you're here, but I'm glad most of all that Jesus is here by his spirit. What a powerful testimony of God's protection. Thank you, Jack, for sharing that. I want you to make welcome right now, dear brother in the Lord, 
Donald Hopkins. Donald's got a powerful testimony, and then he's going to share a big blessing with us. And I want you just to continue to be ready to worship the Lord. Let's make Brother Donald welcome. Good morning. Um, um, I was raised in the big city of Bowdens, North Carolina, if you know where that's at. And uh, went to school in Faison, Warsaw, Kenansville. Uh, um, came from a dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic, and uh, he couldn't keep a job. He couldn't keep a job. He just we just went from place to place. And uh, uh, at the age of ten years old, my mom and dad split up. Okay. Um, I've always been into music. I, I knew at the age of eight years old that. I had an ear for music, and I, I loved to sing. And uh, so I just pursued it, you know. We were poor, and I'd, I'd get by the radio and go out in the woods and get me some sticks, and here I'd go. I'd learn how to play the drums at 11 years old. Um, I got in my first band in Florida and uh, had, had a great time playing music. And uh, then I came back home. Um, Went to North Duplin. I was uh, I spent uh, two months of my freshman year at North Duplin High School, and uh, then I was placed in an orphanage, boys' home, Lake Waccamaw. Um, there, I pursued my my music. There, got in a lot of bands and uh, graduated in 1969. Went in the Navy, stayed in the Navy, pursued my music there, and I, I just loved playing music. That was my life. Uh, so, uh, and uh, to make a long story short, um, I moved back home, got married in 1985. Um, I played in rock and roll bands that all those years, and you know what goes along with playing in rock and roll bands: drugs, alcohol, women, sex. You name it. That's what's in in bands. And uh, I just got tired of that life in 1985. I, I met a lady in church. My mother invited me to church. I met her, and uh, we got married. And I uh, was living a good life, but I was still missing my music. So in 1992, they started coming out with tracks, like uh, except they were on cassette tapes. And uh, I was doing private parties, weddings, any, in, anywhere I could play, and having a great time at it again. But getting back into the drug scene again. I, was, I started smoking weed again. I wasn't saved. And um, I happened to go to Leon's Grill in Warsaw, North Carolina. Everybody has been to Warsaw. He's, he's had a, a grill there for a long time. There was two men sitting at the table that I hadn't seen in 25 years. And they were from face, and I won't call any names. But uh, we were sitting there just talking about old times and how we got on the subject of drugs, I'll never know, because truck, truck drivers, most of them back in those days, used to take speed and uh, other drugs to keep them going down the highways, you know. And uh, I got to talking to one of them. I said, well, I, you know, I did a few drugs and smoked weed and stuff. But I said, back whenever I was playing rock and roll music, we could get diet pills. They were called Black Beauties and Yellow Jackets. And, boy, we'd take one of those things, and it would pump you up, and here you go. Well, the guy looked at me, and he said, if you ever want some good speed, you come see me. Well, like I said, I, uh, I wasn't doing like I should have done. I, um, me and my wife started having some problems. 
And I, I had a studio up in the, the pack house, and I was up there one night, and it's like a little bell rung in my head. And uh, it, uh, I know it was Satan. <laughs> he said, you need to go over there and get you some of that good speed. That was on a Friday night. Saturday morning, I got up, and I went over, knocked at the door. God guy came to the door. He said, you came over to try some of that good speed, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, come in. Well, he threw out a line about two inches long on, on the table and gave me a straw. Worst mistake ever made in my life. I snorted that line. I got was addicted to it at that moment. The best feeling I'd ever had in my life. I stayed on it every day for four solid years. I'm not a big man to start with, but I got down to 138 pounds. You could see the skeleton in, through my face. I was so mean and ornery that me and my wife split up. I moved in an old house over in Warsaw. It was in the middle of the winter, and that was when we were having a pretty rough winter that year. And um, all I had was a mattress and a box spring, a TV, and um, a lamp on the table in there. And it was cold. That place was cold. You could set fire to it, and it still wouldn't get hot. <laughs> but my mother gave me an electric blanket, and I had an electric blanket on me, and I got up. I was so sick. And I was crying. I tried to get a hold of God that week. I could not get a hold of God. It seemed like that, you know, I'd say, well, I reckon I've just gone too far. But um, it was on New Year's Eve. I was supposed to have done a party that night, and I had to call it off because I was sick. So I laid on that, on that mattress, and I cried, and I cried, and I got up, and, and I'd get on my knees and try to get a hold of God. I was dying. I mean, I was really dying. But at five minutes after 12 o'clock that night, I rolled off of that mattress, and I got back down, and I threw my hands up to the sky, and I said, God, if you can use me, I promise you I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And, folks, if you don't think there's not a, a living God, I felt chills come from my rectum all up my spine, came through my neck, went out. It's like somebody took a corkscrew and took the cork out of my head, and it went, whoosh. I mean, that's the way it felt. And I never had to spend one day in rehab. He took it away that day. And that day. Well, I... I, I I still love singing, so me and my wife got back together. And um, for about four years, it just seemed like we didn't have any marriage at all. I, I had created a wound that would not heal. So anyway, we parted, went our separate ways. But uh, uh, I started. I was kept right on serving God. I was doing real good in the church. I was singing in churches, going around to every, in the little church I could go to, nursing homes, anywhere I could sing, I'd go sing. So finally... Uh, I prayed to God. I said, God, I'd, I'd love to get into a, a good Christian group. So at that time, there was a professional group around called Praise Out Loud. And um, their lead vocalist quit. Uh, the bass player came over and talked with me about getting in the band and trying out. I got the job. So uh, I, pl I played with them for a year. We were doing good. Out of nowhere, started having a few problems. The band split. So me and Ronnie... Anderson, our bass player, and we were trying to put another group together, so I visited my brother, uh, Gary Best. We needed a keyboard player, and we had, uh, put together Praise Out Loud again. Well, we practiced for about a year, and uh, uh, 
I got to where I couldn't hit my high notes. I started getting raspy. I was talking with Gary and them. They told me to go see an ENT doctor, so I did. I had a tumor on my on my vocal cord and one on my windpipe. It's called squamous papilloma. It's a viral tumors that come. And um, so I said, Doc, what are we going to do about it? He said, well, we've got to remove them because they get large. They can cut off the air supply. So anyway, they went ahead and um, got me ready the next week to have surgery. Went in there, had surgery. They removed them. And the doctor came in there and asked me. I asked him. I said, what's my chances of singing? He said, no chance at all. He said, we had to remove too much of your vocal cord on so I accepted it. I mean, it was like the worst thing I'd ever been faced with in my life, and because uh, that was my life. But anyway, uh, um, my daughter she took my place in, in the group, and they played around for about a year, and uh, the band split up. But uh, anyway, I haven't been able to. I was not able to sing for those few years. So. Um, uh, six months after I had the surgery, I went back to the doctor, and they were back. It was that type of tumors that come back. So anyway, I got everybody in Clinton, everybody uh, 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 in Lumberton. I had everybody on Facebook praying for me. And I mean, I, 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 something just told me that God was going to heal me. So anyway, I went the next week, and they put me under, went in for surgery. My ex-wife was sitting in the lobby. The doctor came out there 15 minutes after they put me back. And uh, he said, Ms. Hopkins said, I don't know what, I don't know how to tell you this, but we went in to remove those tumors and they were gone. Mm. Uh, uh, she said, can you give me a medical explanation for that? He said, no, ma'am. says, these type of tumors, the only way you get rid of them is they have to be surgically removed. So anyway, I went on home. I wasn't able to sing, but I said, God, I, you got rid of the tumors. So in 2017, I came to church here. Uh, Turner, me, Gary Best, um, Jerry, and um, and my, we were going to put together a little group. I got to where I could hit a few tunes, and we were going to um, put together a little group for uh, Celebrate Recovery. So we practiced the songs, and about a week before we were supposed to play, I started to where I couldn't even swallow. So anyway, I went back to the ENT. We had to cancel the, the event. We got somebody else to sing. And... Uh, um, I went back to the ENT doctor. They scheduled me for surgery. The week, that Wednesday night before the surgery, Pastor Jeff and just about all the men that were in here that night, we had a healing service that night. I came up front, and they prayed for me. So I went to the doctor on Monday, and they put me under. Went in there, and they did the little scope, whatever they do to see. They wanted to check it out. Guess what? It was gone. <laughs> so... The point is, I, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you're faced with in life. Uh, uh, physical problems, whatever circumstances you're with, there is an almighty creator that's there with you all the time. Uh, I don't care what you're faced with. He'll go with you every step of the way. And uh, 
I haven't sung in church in seven years, but uh, today I'd like to sing. I'd like to try to sing. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall All those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment, where I've been, where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. With this man who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, oh, I thank God every day. And there was Jesus. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been couldn't see it there was Jesus on the mountain in the valleys there was Jesus in the shadows of the alleys there was Jesus in the fire in the flood there was Jesus always is and always was Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment Where I've been, where I'm going Even when I didn't know it Or couldn't see it There was Jesus There was Jesus
remain standing. Man, hallelujah. There was Jesus. Aren't you thankful Jesus is with you every day? Walking with you, helping you. Powerful testimonies. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that powerful word. Let me ask you this question this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. This celebration of hope service. Man, I'm telling you, I'm about to lose it right now. I'm just so thankful. Just hearing those stories, man, it's so encouraging. That no matter where you are in life, man, if you listen, lasting hope comes through Jesus Christ. And if you hadn't figured it out yet or not, if you've heard every story here, everything began to change for them and hope came into their life when they began to give it all to Jesus and surrender to the, to the Lord. And my question for you this Sunday morning is, who are you hoping in? Who are you hoping in? Are you hoping in your own ability, your own situation? Are you hoping in your own self? Are you hoping in some friends that might could help you along? Or are you hoping in Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the only one that can give you that lasting hope. Listen, here's the deal. Every one of us need to realize this, that we're all in ruin because of the fall and because of sin in our life. But the good news is, is that we can be redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And we can be regenerated and we can be made new people, new creatures in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care who you are in this place today. I don't care. Listen, I don't care how deep the pit is that you've been in in your life. Jesus can pull you out of that pit. Hallelujah. He can pull you out of it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can do it. Oh, hallelujah. He can do it. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with you. But if there's anyone here right now to under the sound of my voice and you know, you know you're not living for the Lord. You know that you're running from God and you're in the world. Like Jack mentioned, you're wandering in the wilderness of sin and you know things need to be made right between you and the Lord. Friend, the Lord is talking to you today and he's telling you to quit playing games, quit running. It's time for you to surrender. It's time for you to yield. It's time for you to receive Jesus into your life. So he can change you. And most of all, so you can have new life here, but have an abundant eternal life in a place called heaven. Hallelujah. So every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Christians pray. Christians pray. Friend, if you're here today, I don't care if you're on campus or you're online. I want to tell you, friend, Jesus is here. And he can save you. He can forgive you. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to merit your own favor in his, in his presence. You're never going to be religious enough. It's about you just receiving Jesus Christ into your life and beginning to walk with him in a relationship. But it starts by you right now just admitting that you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all missed it. The wages of sin is death. Friend, I'm telling you, you keep playing around with sin, there's going to be a death to come. An eternal separation from Almighty God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We repent of your sins. 
turn it all over to Christ today, right there where you are. You're talking to me, Pastor. You're talking to me. I've been running. And today I want to make things right with Jesus. I want to get my life right with Him. I want to be saved. I want heaven in my future. I need hope. I need hope. I need hope. Friend, if that's you right there where you are, would you be brave enough just to lift your hand and say, that's me. Come on, be brave enough and say, that's me. That's me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Right there where you are, you can just say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you. You are the son of God. You are the sacrifice. You were made sin who knew no sin. You took my place. I deserved all that that you went through on the cross. You were forsaken because sin was laid upon you. My sins. And Lord, I thank you right now for dying for me on the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you died in my place. I thank you, Lord, that you were raised from the grave. God, you conquered sin. You conquered death. You conquered the grave. And today, Lord, I put my trust in you. Right now, right now, I'm surrendering my life. I'm committing my life to you. I receive you, Jesus, to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Come on, friend. If that's you, just do it right now. I'm I'm making that my prayer right now. I'm opening up my heart to Jesus. If you're online, you can just say, "I'm, I'm praying, Lord. I'm praying to receive Christ right now. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying to receive Christ. I commit my life to Christ. I surrender to Christ. However you want to say it. It's just a matter of what happens in the heart. That's the main thing. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. Many hands have gone up. We praise you. And Lord, I pray for every person that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, you know our prayer has been that people would be filled with hope today. God, thank you for every testimony. Fill everyone right now with hope. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.